This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. We're currently recording on December the 11th, 2019, and we just wanted to mention one of our advertisers, JLL Canada, as they're supporting the podcast for the week, and we'll have a quick message from them later on in the podcast. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. And for this week, we're going to be chatting about Bentley Leathers, a variety of topics within the brief that we published for this week, which made it a crazy week as a result, but also suit supply. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with Bentley Leathers because we had three articles go out in a matter of two months, which is unheard of for a single retailer. So I was confused. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners and readers that were confused. So let's kind of walk through that. But before we do, Bentley Leathers, for me, growing up in Western Canada, is someone that I can recall being in every single Canadian mall that I've wandered through. So for myself, I know who they are. I know what they offer. But for those that don't, their website self-proclaims to be a pioneer in the luggage and handbag space and that they've established themselves as the largest retailer of everyday and travel essentials across Canada, which makes sense to me. I kind of see them as that. And they are also mentioning that, yes, they opened up in 1987 in St. John's, Newfoundland, and they have more than 250 stores covering all the Canadian provinces, which makes sense now why I kind of remember them being in practically every single mall that I have been in growing up. But uh, so imagine my pride when I come to the Retail Insiders website on October the 29th and see a loud and proud article saying Canadian retailer Bentley Leathers launches new store concept. You know, looking back uh, at that nostalgia, I'm like, oh, great for you guys. Go, baby, go. And, you know, reading further, they're breathing new life into a 30-year-old brand, developing a new store concept as part of their company's strategy to become an authority on travel and life on the go, which is where they need to be. Looking at a lot of the other folks that are in this marketplace, they're bringing that more experiential direction. So I was very excited to see that they're opening up four new format stores right now that kind of give them that experiential like niche. So I was very excited, you know, sunshine, butterflies, you know, unicorns roaming. It's just a great article. 29 days later, our poor unsuspecting retail insider readers, including myself, come to our website on November the 28th to see Bentley Leathers announces restructuring and store closures. What? So like 29 days later, what happened? So we were kind of scrolling into the article a little bit more, and they announced on Wednesday evening that they're restructuring amid financial challenges associated with operating more than 250 stores. Well, didn't you just open four new ones like like 29 days ago? So I was confused. I can see how other people could be confused and scrolling further. It looks like the parent company, Nova Cap, had finalized a deal with Recolon Capital, which describes themselves on their website as a multidimensional financial services company providing a range of restructuring services to businesses and insolvency practitioners, which is not sunshine butterfly remotely like that sounding from 29 days ago to now. So for me, I was confused. I can see how our readers could be confused. So for us since then, we've been now come up with a third article on December the 11th, which is talking about Bentley Leathers exiting court protection after successful restructuring and proceedings. So speaking with the CEO and a variety of other like details have now come to the surface. So Craig, could you kind of get to walk us through it? Because I was confused. Our readers are probably confused. And this is a unique situation. Yeah, yeah. My understanding, actually, and this is something we weren't aware of. Um, I was actually talking to the CEO, um, Walter Lamoth, uh, about this uh, very recently. And uh, it was saying that, you know, they do 
plan on you know Bentley Leathers being a go- going concern, but with fewer stores. There's just over 250 locations. About 90 of them are going to close. Um, the store count, as we were told, would be 163, which is still a lot of stores if you think about it. Um, some, I think some locations will start to be kind of replaced with these new concept stores. Like I know in Avalon Mall in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, that location will become uh, a flagship with that new design, which is, you know, kind of a crisper, more modern looking store. Right. And when I was taking a look at the article, it looks like the greater Van- or greater Montreal area is home to nearly 30 Bentley stores, which seems to be like a lot. Yeah. And five in downtown Montreal yes. alone. And I think th- four of them were within like kind of a three square block area. So there's yeah. a, you know, a whole bunch of them in, in, in one part of downtown. I, I think there's going to be two in downtown uh, mm-hmm. Montreal when all is said and done, when it's these uh, store closures uh, you know, conclude, uh, I think, in early 2020, which probably makes sense. I mean, unless you're a 7-Eleven or a Starbucks, you don't really need that many locations yeah. in such a small area. Well, and they do have 250 locations, which is a lot, but they did get to that at some point over time. So I was just wondering what kind of course corrected them into a different direction to restructure. Is it more like the fresh new uh, president and CEO direction maybe? Because he just started like a year and a half ago. Um, Or do you think it's more of a changing of the market conditions where people are starting to go online or going to more competitors that are coming into the marketplace that started causing this restructure discussion? Yeah, I, I think it was just a, an expansion. You know, the company was making money for years, uh, or at least I think that would be the case. Uh, you know, assigning more store leases with the expectation that, you know, the more stores that the retailer had, you know, the more profit that it would be able to make uh, ultimately. But there's been a bit of a shift, I guess, in Canadian retailing. I mean, consumers now are, you know, in some cases shopping more online. Uh, um, you know, consumers, I mean, we've got record high uh, debt levels uh, for consumers. I don't think this is going to be an issue forever, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Well, and 250 locations is a lot of money to spend on just real estate costs. And in addition to the changing patterns of, of, of their customers, they got to have to be looking at the 250 locations because that's a lot of landlords. That's a lot of potential challenges to be able to overcome with trying to make things kind of work. So how much effort, how much impact do you think that component, being the, the actual cost for the space, is having on this restructuring timing and decisions at this point? I, I think it makes sense that, you know, Bentley is looking at closing some stores, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not just speaking about Bentley, but certainly in the years past, you know, retailers had signed leases, say with shopping centers and we're paying quite a bit of money and uh, you know in some cases in some locations you know foot traffic has gone down and you know people are shopping a little bit less so now some retailers are looking at uh, um, you know decreasing their store count i mean if you think about it uh, if you have a great experiential store with a lot of product people might be inclined to travel to go to that store so you know you don't need four stores in downtown montreal for example i, I think that's probably too many so uh, I, I think that, you know, we'll probably see a few retailers decrease their store count. Uh, uh, going into creditor protection or, you know, bankruptcy protection, you know, is a strategy that some retailers are using. I've been told there's going to be a few more uh, retailers out there in Canada that will be doing this as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is challenging, you know, and in some cases, landlords won't, and again, I'm not speaking about Bentley specifically here, but, you know, some landlords aren't really keen on giving breaks to retailers. And unfortunately, you know, there was one uh, multi-brand footwear retailer recently that uh, 
had to shut all of its locations because, um, you know, a couple of landlords weren't giving uh, breaks, unfortunately. And just a quick word from our sponsor for the podcast, which is JLL Canada. What's your ambition? Visit jll.ca to see how JLL is here to create rewarding opportunities and amazing spaces around the globe where people can achieve their ambitions. And the second item that we wanted to bring up for the brief for the week has to do with our Retail Insider brief, because that's usually very well read whenever we have one. Usually usually it comes out once a week, once every two weeks or so, but there's, I think, about eight or nine topics in this week's brief. So there's plenty for us to talk about whenever we are having one of them occurring. I, I think the first, at the very top of the, the brief for the week, there's an upscale Swiss chocolate brand that was coming into the Canadian marketplace that we wanted to chat about. Uh, but Craig, I am always bad at pronunciation here. So Ladurac. Ladurac, I think Lad- it is. Ladurac? Ladurac, yeah. Lad- oh, they taught cool. us how to pronounce it at the opening. Oh, <laughs> fun. I wanted to find a little bit about the Ladurac family and the business before the podcast. So I was doing a little research and I was having a hard time finding anything of substance. So their website, they yeah, have the basics of they're founded in 1962 and they're their third generation running the business now. But there's nothing juicier than that really on there. So I was sleuthing around on the web, on the internet, and I was able to find something on a German version of Wikipedia, not even the English one, the German one. And uh, with the help of Google Translate, I was able to kind of figure out a little bit more history. And it looks like in ni- 1970, Rudolf Laderach invented and patented the process for the production of thin-walled truffle hollow spheres. And uh, besides the third three generations, um, you know, journey that the company went through, they exclusively produce in Switzerland. They have about 700 employees as of 2019. And yes, they have their um, products sold in their own stores. Um, But yeah, so Craig, tell us about how the opening in Toronto Eaton Centre went. Yeah, yeah, we actually got to uh, visit the store and it's a beautiful looking store. Um, You know, it's at the CF Toronto Eaton Centre, which is, you know, the busiest shopping center in North America. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, you know, I talked to the CEO who's a young guy, it's third generation of the family now running the company. And um, he was saying that, you know, they're not wholesaling. You're not going to, you know, go to a Hudson Bay store and find this brand unless somehow they did a, you know, a shopping store that was actually being run by Ladurac and, and they're not doing that. They're, they're doing standalone stores. So this is kind of on trend in terms of we are seeing brands really going direct to consumer. Mm. Uh, both with their own physical stores as well as, you know, maybe an e-commerce, uh, you know, or an online shopping website in some cases. Yeah. Well, and any idea why somebody would do, like, want to have that control over their own stores and uh, shops and such? You know, in this case, I was told that, you know, the reason that Ladurac has its own stores is, you know, they're able to control how the store looks, how the mm-hmm. product is presented, the temperature in the store. I think oh, they want to yeah. keep it at a certain temperature so that the chocolate stays fine. Mm-hmm. And what was the chocolate like for like purchase and stuff like versus things that our listeners may know, like a Purdy's or something similar, like or Lint or um, something? The chocolate's not that cheap. Like there was a box of 30, it was 32 or 36 pieces. 36 for 100 bucks. Yeah. 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 Um, I took, I snapped a couple of photos of the price tags just to try to remember them. There was another, I think a wooden box or something. It was over $200. Mm-hmm. So really? it's not, you know, the, the cheapest chocolate. I mean, it's not the yeah. same price point as say a Purdy's. Uh, 
but it's a different, and I don't want to say Purdy's is bad quality, but it's a different type of quality chocolate. I mean, there are fine chocolates out there that are quite expensive. Yeah, and I was looking at the article and seeing that there was like a traditional cow herders or something like that that was there to kind of open up the store. So tell us a little about that. Well, it was cow bells. Um, from what I could see, it was really crowded. They had these um, dressed up, Swiss people yeah, and these. I think there was like cow herders or something that was there I was just reading through it all yeah yeah they had a, a parade of uh, you know cow herders I think that's yep. what it was and they had these cow bells okay. and uh, oh yeah Al Foran players thank you Lee yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and I just sent it through a message to Craig because I can't pronounce things but yeah so thanks I just Craig. kept saying Ricola over and over again and Jessica was <laughs> laughing because <laughs> but well, um, hopping over from uh, Toronto Eaton Center from the chocolate world over to the York Jail Shopping Center center i think it was ted baker opened up their largest store in canada craig right yeah ted baker just opened a new store at yorkdale um ted baker it was actually ted baker's first store in canada was at yorkdale in uh, 2012 uh it moved into a space that's uh, a bit over a thousand square feet larger uh jll did the deal so mm. diane lamb <laughs> give a shout out there and uh, it looks really neat i mean uh, all of ted baker's stores are a little bit different uh they they mm. which is kind of the opposite of what you see with a lot of retailers where they kind of you know have the same same thing formula over and over again and so ted baker's stores each one of them looks quite different and this one is kind of a garden theme i think they actually call it yeah. the ted baker garden and if anybody's at yorkdale you know it's i think it's worth checking out it's a really neat different. looking store yeah. um it's kind of a is it, yeah it's kind of across from Holt Renfrew. It's kind of more, more across from the Apple store, actually. Okay. But uh, it's in this new luxury wing that's forming. Uh, Valentino and Bottega Veneto opened a few months ago. Balenciaga just opened quite recently. We reported on that, too. Really Another cool. really fancy uh, retailer is going to be opening next to it. I won't say the name because we want to break the story whenever we can. We have, we're going to wait for construction hoarding to go up. That won't probably start till the uh, first week of January because... The re one of the two retailers that will uh, be vacating that it's where Ted Baker is and then it's also going to be where um, Longchamp is Longchamp's a high-end uh, bag brand Longchamp's going to move into a new location uh, just kind of on the other side of the entrance of Holt Renfrew well we had another thing in uh, Yorkdale as well in the brief that was happening wasn't wasn't there I was trying to remember yeah yeah oh um, another thing about Yorkdale as well is uh, Hublot it's a, a high-end watch brand uh, just opened no it's technically the first corporate store in Canada um, Hublot opened uh, with, with a, it's either a licensee or a franchisee. Um, I'm not sure which of the two of those is correct, but yeah. uh, that was in 2017. We actually reported on it, and this stunning Hublot store opened on Alberni Street. Uh, 20, yeah, in the luxury zone. Yeah, in the luxury yeah. zone, 2,800 square feet. Um, it's in that Carlisle building, which has, what does it got? Prada, Saint Laurent. Uh, Montclair, De Beers, De Beers you yeah. got it. Uh, there's yeah. an association with Hublot there, but maybe I won't say it uh, in Canada anyways. But uh, Tory Birch, I think we just named them all, and the Off-White store, which is in the alleyway in the same complex. Yes. Very marble-clad building that used to have, you know, a dollar store. And when I was a little kid, it had a, a duty-free store in there. I mean, there's, there's a long history oh. to Alberni Street. 7-Eleven, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. exotic. Yeah, there was a 7-Eleven, Tony guy. But, um, you know, Hublot had this big store there, and uh, now they've opened a 700-square-foot one so much smaller at Yorkdale and it looks yeah. gorgeous I saw some pictures on social media uh, you know what I thought was interesting is uh, you know the uh, the Vancouver licensee wasn't aware that this uh, Toronto store had opened for Hublot yeah yeah I, I thought that was kind of funny yeah. too but uh, nevertheless, you know, the, the shopping centers really attracted wealthy people. We've talked about clustering before and uh, definitely, you know, if you can cluster a lot of great brands together, people are going to 
seek that out and shop there. And, you know, Yorkdale's done well. And, uh, we, you know, we're the Retail Council of Canada Shopping Centre study will be coming out soon. And, you know, Yorkdale's, you know, just shy of $2,000 a square foot for its uh, reporting uh, non-anchors within the shopping centre. So that's pretty high. Yeah. And the final topic that we wanted to go through is suit supply coming to Canada. So, Craig, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I guess we're breaking a story. So, suit supply is a Dutch uh, suit Dutch. brand. Uh, um, it's got some interesting, you know, advertising. It's, it's kind of edgy. Uh, so, you know, they'll be entering the Vancouver market, uh, interestingly enough, in a suburban shopping center called the Amazing mm. Brentwood, which... Uh, is in Burnaby, North Burnaby. Um, the center has been trying to attract some luxury brands as well as uh, some bigger brands. So they'll have, you know, H&M. It'll have the first H&M home collection uh, department in uh, British Columbia uh, is what I think that would be accurate to say. But uh, yeah, no suit supply will be, you know, opening a store in uh, Vancouver. I was speaking to uh, Foc de Jong, who is the CEO and founder of Suit Supply. And he was, uh, I talked to him a little while ago and uh, um, he was saying that, you know, they are looking at possibly doing, you know, another Toronto location, whether or not that's at the Yorkdale Shopping Centre or somewhere else in the city, uh, um, the downtown Vancouver store at some point. But another thing that was interesting, I mean, the reason that Suits Applied actually reached out was because they were opening concessions at Nordstrom hmm. uh, in Canada. Uh, oh. It's either two or three stores. Wait. I confirm that actually but okay so um, i think we've got three in the article <laughs> well i know that like holt renfrew does the concession thing but i didn't know that nordstrom did the concession model as well um or do they do, or do they not well apparently now um yeah oh. no and you're absolutely right uh, because you know whole renfrew you know i think the goal is like 80 percent of the space will be concess least concessions oh. which means the brands are opening the store operating the stores within the department store in this case whole renfrew yeah, yeah. um nor nordstrom is much more of a traditional department store retailer or maybe i should say large format fashion retailer to be to be you know accurate but oh. uh, you know when you see a shopping store at nordstrom almost always it's going to be run by nordstrom even though you know if it's a stella mccartney shop or a loewe or you know one of these uh, fine brands usually it's you know nordstrom built it and they're yeah, uh, you know operating it. and merchandising it and yeah. there's very few concessions at nordstrom i know in um, toronto at the cf toronto eaton center there's a gucci quite a large one actually accessory oh. shop uh, no that is Cool. Leased and run by Gucci. If you go to um, uh, Holt Red, or sorry, Nordstrom in uh, Vancouver, uh, the Christian Louboutin shop, I believe, is on the ground floor. Is a uh, concession uh, that's that's high end footwear. There's also a Delvaux uh, shop in Vancouver and at Yorkdale at Nordstrom, and these are these are concessions. But it's very rare. So, um, Suit Supply actually struck a, a relationship with Nordstrom. Uh, uh, to open these concessions. So they were under construction, and then uh, I got to see it in Vancouver and in Toronto. Uh, they've got these, uh, you know, sections in the store. They've got suit supply employees. They've actually got this tailoring shop area with sewing machines and stuff like that, that they can do alterations and some sort of custom design and whatnot. And um, so it is a way for suit supply to further expand uh, itself into the country, doing so by Nordstrom. They thought it would be a good partnership because they said that Nordstrom had good customer service, and that was mm -hmm. one of the things that they were looking for, or at least a, a retailer that has that perception because they have their own staff, you know, suit supply within Nordstrom. But, uh, you know, we're looking for, you know, kind of a partner to do that. So it's a way for, you know, suit supply to further you know, amplify its presence in Canada. Because like you said, it started in 2014 with one store in Toronto, uh, opened in Montreal in 2017, a gorgeous store, holy cow, actually the one in Montreal is uh, well, really something else. It was purpose great. built. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, it's it's oh, it's very cool. You go in there and it's like I think it's three levels and uh, it's on um, uh, Rue de la Montagne, which is just north of Holt Renfrew Ogilvy and just south of the Holt Renfrew store, which will be closing uh, in a few months, probably a couple months from now when the uh, Holt Renfrew Ogilvy is finished. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit in Retail Insider, but. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, Suit Supply is interesting. Some of its advertising is quite edgy. Like, you'll have a, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I saw one picture. It's like a giant naked woman with a little <laughs> tiny man walking or something. I have to find out what it is. But, you know, they're, they're known for their edgy uh, marketing uh, that, yeah. you know, is quite eye-catching. Uh, so, I have to but I haven't look. really seen much of that recently. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much a wrap for the podcast for the week, Craig. So thanks for going through the popular content with me. We just wanted to remind everyone that we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every morning with a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusively on Retail Insider. So if you go to retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area to add your email to get that into your inbox every morning. So thank you for listening to this podcast. And please do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published, but also to help boost our discoverability ratings for others to find us too. And if you do have a moment and think we're five-star worthy to submit a review with your, whoever your podcast provider is, and we'd appreciate that too. So thanks again, everyone, and uh, see you again next week. Thank you so much, everyone.